Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're going to do a review of a new game system that has come out. It's called Black Void. Uh, Modifius puts it out. And yes. it may or may not be out when you listen to this. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it's an esoteric role-playing game by Christopher Savaldson. Savaldson? That sounds about right. I'm looking at the book. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Saul got a copy of the PDF from Modifius. So he's going to tell us about the system. I had dealt with the the PR assistant from Modifius before when I when I talked about John Carter, John Carter of Mars, the role playing game, which is also produced by uh, published by Modifius. And what happened was is that I had contacted the person called Panny, but I had contacted them before, and when they sent out a press release for the Black Void, you know, announcing that they were publishing or distributing and i noticed that the email was incorrect it wasn't the same that i had used before so i emailed panny and i said hey oh by the way you know they misspelled your your email address on the press release and about the black void so sent emails back and forth she goes oh yeah thank you very much i'll get that fixed right away and then next thing i know i get a pdf of this game and I, you know, I'm not into dark games. You know, I don't like horror. I don't really, I don't have. I've played Call of Cthulhu once or twice, Warhammer Fantasy and stuff like that. I've kind of been interested in it, but you know, it, a lot of my you know players are, sometimes are not into it. But this one seemed intriguing. It's a little bit uh, less horrific and more, you know, just just grittier, right? Games RPGs are more in quite a few Zweilander and there's of course Warhammer role playing game. Your group seemed to have a lot of fun with it. Right. So really enjoy it. The grittiness <laughs> of it. So I got the PDF and I said, and I looked at it and I go, wow, it's a really pretty book. You know, and and the look, book is gorgeous. I'm looking at it. The yeah. pages all are really cool pictures and right. really cool setting. When I first heard about it and started reading about it, it, it's a setting that it's a setting that really intrigued me because it was non-Western. So I thought it was pretty cool. So I got the PDF. And I told her, oh, I'm gonna, oh, this, and I you know, emailed Panny back. I said, oh, this is really neat. I'm going to try to get a, uh, a play test, play test or, or get my group to play it. And so she goes, oh, that was pretty cool. I, you know, that, that's great. Thank you. And I thanked her for sending me the PDF. I started reading the PDF and I set up a date with my friends or my, my group, our group to play test or run this game, see how it works. So I'm reading this PDF. I'm looking at the rules, a little bit about the system itself. It's uh, based on a D12. You have attributes and skills that give you bonuses to hit the target number. So you roll a D12, add any bonuses you have, and you try to hit a target number. Now the target numbers are from like super easy at four on a D12 with all your bonuses and 25, right? So how do you get a 25 on a D12? So if you roll a a 12, you get to roll the D12 over again if you need to, right? If you need to get over the the target number. So let's say your target number is 14, you roll a 12, you can re-roll that 12 sided die and try to get over that 14. But if your target number is only 7 and you roll a 12, you've already, you know... You don't need to re-roll the die. Right, because you've already def- made... You're so already successful. tell us about the setting. I'm going to tell a little bit more about the about the game system because it's important. But that's basically it. And the character process of making the character is really step-by-step driven. It You know, they tell you this is the step... This is the part of the... Of the character sheet that we're going to work on next and they this is how you resolve or this is how you figure out how to make the character and it's a, it's kind of a point by system and it's super easy and i had four pre-gens 
and but my group is seven people so i had to make three characters i thought it was going to be you know really tough because it looks like these characters a lot of things going on but the process was actually pretty simple you just follow along in the book it wasn't too confusing and of course you know any good game these days seems like they have a a character that they themselves make while in the process of showing you how to make a character which helps you to right. to know what you're doing especially if you've never seen it before right and that was that was in, that was indeed helpful and it's you know it's block text or or it's separate text this example of this character being made in a box that's shaded a different color than the rest of the page and i think it's italicized so it really stands out and so you go oh so if there's any questions as to how the that process, that part of the character creation part is done. A the information's right there. There's a good example. There's information there and there's a good example. I really thought it was pretty cool. So then the setting. So the setting is back in the, it says in the, in the, in the days of Babylon, over 2,000 years ago, the dark void comes and whisks away humanity from the earth and spreads it across the cosmos. And I like the idea of the cosmos because it doesn't really tell you exactly where this is puts humanity across all these different planets in the cosmos and the void is this like this is the way you travel yeah it's the way you travel but also is this dark mystical energy that that causes this to happen and because it seemingly has some sort of a reason theoretically to do it what it did so humanity is deposited across these worlds and of course some of these worlds are really horrible you know uh, as far as the climate and stuff like that some worlds humanity couldn't live so they immediately die when they're put there so we're not you no know, you don't role play in those worlds right so but there was, you can't oh, breathe you some, can't live. yeah there's some worlds where human life can live but the problem is is that humanity is not the the apex life form and so what happens is humanity becomes the the bottom rung of the society of, of most societies in across these cosmos because a lot of these places already have civilizations. There's aliens and stuff like that. In this world, in this setting, humanity is is at the bottom level of the society. The society. So, I have a question. Yes. When you're making a character, do you always play a human? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so the so the alien species and different worlds and stuff, they are just the non-player characters. Right. Okay. Right. You're playing humanity, trying to survive. And where survival is 90% of, the, of a good thing, right? This game presents a situation where, okay, you're, so you're surviving, but let's, let's try to make humanity thrive and work its way up this from the bottom rung of societies across the cosmos. You're newcomers. You have no... So is the setting right when you get to these places or is it years later? It's present. The human civilizations... Have been there. Have for... been there for two thousand years. Okay, All right. That's what I was just yeah. wondering. That. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Because so, if it's right when you show up, then you're gonna have pro- lots of problems. But if you think about it, well, actually, it's over two thousand years ago. It talks about when Babylon was the was the greatest city on earth. It's a non-Western culture, identity, and stuff. It really gives it a different flavor. And because there's that two thousand years, two thousand plus intervening between now and then, it doesn't seem problematic. You know, you're playing characters. So you're used to living wherever you are, whatever right. planet you're the people you're playing are descendants of the people who used to live in Babylon. Culturally it is a they believe in different gods and, and things like that and it's pretty neat. Well, shouldn't it be problematic considering you're on other worlds? <laughs> so there's gonna be other gods, other systems, right. it other kinda, ideas. It kinda, I, ideologies that yes. you're living with it kind of reminds me of in that sense it kind of reminds me of empire of Pedal throne because in that world it's it's not the western culture that 
seeds the the universe it is eastern and indian culture the caste system so the caste system so all that all that is uh is present in in tecumel and in this world it's kind of the same thing so so i i think it's pretty neat in playing the game it's humanity versus the other species in a way because you're trying to bring humanity up right but also what you're saying is that when you're there you've grown up in this in wherever you are right. whatever world you're on yes so you understand you're basically assimilated there right and Correct. yet there's going to be something that causes you to want to make humans more or humanity more prevalent in the society or to get back home or what's the goal i don't know there's it's, all kinds of goals. it's all kinds of goals that you want but mainly home is like now like it's like 2000 Plus 2,500 years. Are there any humans left on on Earth? Nobody knows. Ah. Because there's no contact with so it. So is it like Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? The, like, like, do you have ships? Do you fly around? No, there's no ships. So that's another interesting thing about this that I found is that it's not a science fiction setting. It is a fantasy setting. The spacefaring, if you're going to call it that, you don't do it by, by spaceship. A and, black hole? Nah, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but... But it's it's not the same between the two. There's areas or there's places where the void and the cosmos. There's a thin la- veil between them. So is it like okay? I'm just trying to put it in terms <laughs> that Jolene's brain can wrap it around. Are we talking Babylon Five Space Gate travel where you go in and you're inside of the of something? So so to to travel you you travel through the void and it's a and it's basically like a wizard, right? You're able to use and manifest and harness that energy and usually you have to have a spot in the world where the veil is thinnest right Uh and whatever that means you know however you want to explain that and then you basically transport yourself or your group to another world using these weak spots in the veil between the cosmos and the void so they're like wormholes wormholes yes and 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 jolene's head and jolene's (laughs) brain yes so that's how you travel to different worlds you have to know where it is you gotta know where it is the power to do it yes and then you get to the other side and i assume it's like stargate where they're gonna be you're not gonna just fall out in the middle of space right 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 yeah exactly so you yeah Exactly. So it's like a Stargate type of thing. Before you can even get to that level, you know, you're just regular people, maybe a little bit more uh, zealous in, in what you want to do. Maybe you want a little bit more for your for yourself and for your friends and for your society. And so that's what the game is about. It's about, you know, getting humanity together, being able to advance humanity from the situation that it's in. Well, the day that Cell did this, did, played this game. I was going to play, but we had a, a mother emergency. I had to take her to the doctor. So I missed the first part of the game. And I came in at towards the probably the last third of it. And so instead of joining in, because I had no clue what was going on, because I didn't get to get there for the explanation or anything or what we were doing, I just sat back and observed. And the players were loving it, the idea of what they could do, what they couldn't do. They've never seen the system before. They've never... So they Saul just hands them out the characters and tells them, you know, the the scenario, and they were they took to it, of course, because they love this kind of stuff, right? Right. And but it was most interesting the ideas of of what they could do, what they couldn't do, how everything was was working. It turned out really, it seemed really good. They wanted to keep going, 
but we had to stop. So he right. says, well, we'll finish it on a different day. You know, I just did what I usually do when I present a new game. Usually it's uh, like at a con. You know, I have to I've run games that nobody's heard of or are really new. So I have to do the information dump. I don't like calling it that because I try not to do it in that fashion. I try to explain it as use as little words as possible and try to get the gist of the system that they need to know to be able to do things. And so I usually simplify, you know, a lot depending on the game. But this one is pretty easy. You know, there's things that give you a plus to your role and that's it. And then you I give you a target number depending on how hard whatever uh, the thing is to accomplish. In your stats, do you have different things like attributes and stuff yes. so you you just pick one and roll or do you pick two or so you have different stats like you do would in any other in any other game and the usually they give you a bonus so they don't give you a bonus and and the bonus is because it's only a 12 side die you're not going to have plus tens you're going to have usually the pluses range between plus one and plus three you know if you have a good stat a good stat is you get a plus one in it. That's a good stat. And the only and because you're it's a point by system, it's very limited as uh, your character. Your your uh, you have to choose wisely. Yeah, you choose wisely, and you don't want to nerf your character. You don't want to have negatives because it's really close. If you don't spend a lot of points, you'll have be a, like at a negative one for something. So a zero is okay. A zero is good. Uh, yeah, a zero is actually good, right? Okay. And where a plus one is really good, and then you get a skill, and that adds to your to, to the your, attribute to the die roll, okay. right? Of whatever oh, you're so attempting. the skill adds points. So to like ad acrobatic, let's say. Yeah. Then that way, whenever you try to attempt acrobatics and you use your strength, and it's a strength acrobatics or so whatever you know, let's say acrobatics more of a of a of a tumbling type of thing. Right. So you would use like your dexterity, and if that gives you a bonus, then you get to add that. But there's also a skill bonus, and and then or like having I said, acrobatics. And so your numbers range between one and three. Your right. bonuses. It doesn't have that tactical feel of. D&D or Pathfinder. Uh, you're counting five-foot squares. Right. And stuff no, you're, like you're trying to figure out what you're doing and do it more yeah. cinematic. It's more, yeah, exactly. And my players are ranged between the ages of 15 and like 62. The younger people really like the, the crunchiness of Pathfinder and D&D, and they really get into the mini maximizing of that other characters and even steve the old the oldest one is now everybody else in between all the other players you know they're they range between mini maximizers and and role playing and and or just, doing both and doing both or just having a good time oldest and the very youngest are the ones that really dig the crunching of the numbers right they also want to know because i kept hearing uh can do you have the part that i can read exactly what this does i'm not understanding what this means i need to take some time to look at it and that came from ian even alan said that and of course jason wanted to look at be able to read the whole thing and create his own character so he could learn the system that way like i said this was something i was just trying to get a feel for how to get and they that. understood that but as as you're going through the game I, and towards the end of it they were very excited about the, the what world, was going on. The, the world was yeah. amazing to them. They really liked it. They liked the mystery that's all put out for them. And, and that's when they when you, when I could tell they were really liked the, the system was when they started asking, it's all, I just have the PDF. I just have, it's not even all the PDF. It's just whatever they sent me. Oh, they right? sent me the whole PDF, yeah. And, and they're like going, well, how do you? And then they started looking up on their phones, right, to see what they could find. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was amazing the just the dynamics of the way the players took to it right right so i thought well this has to be a, a pretty good system because they're asking questions about what their attributes can do how they can put them together if i was going to make this character i would do it this way right. that kind of thing 
And that's when you can tell that these guys are really getting into it, right? Right. And so, like, even though it was a simple system as far as, you know, you're rolling a D12, you don't have a D20, and you don't have that large range of numbers in between. In, in the system, a 1 is automatic fa- failure. A 12 is a possible critical success. There's other modifiers, like situational modifiers, if it's raining, visibility and stuff. And those give you, like, a minus 1 through minus 3. So, so the pluses and minuses are not extravagant, like... Like 3.5 or, or Pathfinder where you got, you got, I get plus 5 for this, plus 10 for this, plus 3 for this. And so, you know, Pathfinder has been nicknamed Mathfinder, right? Because of all the math that you have to do, which is okay if that's the kind of game you're looking for. But but if you're not looking for that super tactical game, this system is much easier. And in fact, Steve goes, this is more like a c- cinematic game it's like you know being in a movie because you're not limited to the five foot squares things happen in in range bands right short medium long and so because of that kind of freedom they were really like they didn't have to like oh i can't make it because i'm five feet too short you know there was just oh it's within short range yeah oh i can get there they go yeah i go yeah oh then i'm gonna and then they would get really descriptive they would get descriptive because they're not tied to this to a certain amount of space that spaces, they can walk. Yeah, so that it really opens up their own imagination and their own ideas of what they can and want to do. And so I thought that was really neat. And I think that the, all the players really started digging into that after we started playing a little bit. Because once at first, you know, everybody's a little bit timid about how everything works, and they're going, "Oh, can I reach that?" I go, "Yeah, it's within short range." Okay, I didn't have a a, a map. A map. I just had a. I just scratched out something what it, you know what what it looked like you know and stuff like that. So they're like, oh, I think I had a map, and they, they just told you, me where they were going. You had a a picture from the PDF, I think, of of the of like it looked like a hut, and then <laughs> stuff around it. Yes, yes. And that's just from I just saw it as I was walking by, so it wasn't. And then I had like a big overland map, uh, not overhead overhead map of the the area that they were in. Yeah, and so, our group loves maps. Yeah, and so what was interesting is that the, the, the area controlled by the humans is not even, in, in this case, is not even land, right? They're over this humongous river, and think of like uh, huts on stilts, because you're basically over water. So everybody, you know, everybody travels through with boats and stuff. There is some bridges that take you to the land, but that's like the city, and for whatever reason, the humans decide to inhabit this area and build up in this area, and so that's where they were playing in. So they were like, Oh, how far is it down to the water? And they're like twenty feet. And like, and so they were using, you know, they're, they're pushing people off instead of fighting them to the death, you know, to kill them. They were just like, well, I could just eliminate this person by pushing them off onto the water. And so yeah, and so they were using their environment to fight these things and and do all kinds of weird stunts. Right. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And by and by the end of the encounter, that encounter, they were really 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 getting into it what was weird is that this game is kind of like it's super simple in that sense but then if uh, optional i guess i just took it as part of the game they have these if you do a crit you're able to do to do more damage and stuff and so they have these these crit tables right and i was and it harkened me back to to ice iron iron crown industries they had a series of books called spell law claw law arms law you know super chart heavy but the funny thing about this game is it had these amazing critical hit tables. So you would roll percentile dice for these critical hits. And you would have, I think I mentioned it before, you would have these crazy things that could happen from lopping off your own ear with the bow to, to you know, thrusting your spear through somebody and, you know, going through their liver, causing instant death or agonizing death within five rounds. 
So in this game, there's similar types of tables. Instead, but instead of rolling the percentile dice, you roll a d12 and a d6. So the higher the number, the worse the what happens. The worse, yeah, the worse the effect is, or whatever the critical is. And when I busted out this chart, they're like, "Oh, I go roll. You get to roll on a critical hit table." And of course, they didn't, they didn't know what that was because you know they didn't have access to the PDF, right? So usually they would have been looking at that and laughing at all the nasty things that can happen to people when they get critically hit you know critical hits happen every once in a while and so they were like oh i get to roll a critical hit and then, and then they figured out that the higher number they rolled the better it was for them or for the or worse for the opponent and they just were like in love with all these was, they do like crunchy yeah and then it was a just gory stuff that could happen right, right? right and so they were just beside themselves i guess you know <laughs> they go oh my god and then they were really getting excited and so every time they got a crit which wasn't very often but when they did get a crit, they're going, oh, they get excited about rolling on this critical hit table. So I thought it was pretty neat. It doesn't take a lot to get our people excited, though. They like that kind of stuff, right? They like it but gives I, it a new flavor. A but for me, flavor. it was so old school, right? Seeing that chart in there. But it was like it's just super easy to use. And then and what it does is basically when you're first running the game, you're going to rely on these charts, right? Because it gives you, it gives it gives you, you more flavor yeah. and stuff like that. So you could come up with your own you know, critical hit or what it, the effects of the critical yeah. hit. And that'd be cool. But including the, these charts kind of kind of gives you hints as to what kinds of things can happen or what you know, gives you ideas. And so as a beginning GM, you don't have to come up with this stuff. So, of course, after a while, these charts might get a little bit stale. Or the, but you could just use them for the beginning yes. of the game. So and that then people, later it not up. only helps you, but it helps the players to come right. up with, with what happens in this world, right? Right. And so as you get more adept and more comfortable with the system and the world then you could come up with your own critical hits as far as the game itself and you won't have to rely on the, on the chart but the chart is super cool i mean really neat yeah i really liked it and, and it, like i said it reminded me of this old school feel that you just don't see anymore i thought it was really neat i thought it was a very uh, what do you call that when you harken back to days of old well that's what it was i harken back to days of old <laughs> so i think christopher uh, did a really neat job on that aspect of the game i thought it was amazing when i saw the when i saw the pdf the art is fantastic and it was it and it's just different right it's it's really neat i think it really conveys uh the feeling of the game of this you know this dawn trout in humanity trying to raise itself by the bootstraps kind of thing and it's brutal right you know the, the humans get enslaved by these powerful aliens and they could care less about you know humans like you're like literally like ants you know i think it's an interesting setting and i thought wow you know when i when i, I got the pdf i didn't think much of it as far as like how much setting there would be in it but this book is like a 400 and over 428 pages you know it, it goes up to like 408 pages of actual rules and setting and the rules themselves are like 118 pages i believe 118 418 pages yeah so the rules themselves are like uh, 400, I mean, 118 pages, and that leaves like 206 pages of setting, and that is a lot. It's not teeny tiny uh, writing, there's a lot of pictures, and there's a lot of page breaks, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of art, there's a lot, of, you know, every like between chapters, there's two full page art that's just you know inside of it, and sometimes there's just large panels of, of art in, in the pages in between. And it's really, you know, it's just a really pretty looking book. And 
and I didn't know. I mean, I remember. I thought I remember seeing it as a Kickstarter back in 2017, but I was like surprised that this is his first endeavor, at least first created on Kickstarter, and he really did a good job in doing the work to put out a a book. I thought it was pretty amazing. Uh, what I really liked about it is the setting is really immersive. I mean, and it's really different. It's, it's not medieval Western Europe, right? Which is pretty cool, you know. We're used to that, but I thought it was really inventive to to go back to pre an ancient Middle Eastern area and use that culture and world of of humanity at the time and transport it across the the, the cos cosmos cosmos and have a fantasy game where you're moving from planet to planet and instead of using this you know technology you're using this mystical power of the void to travel between worlds and it's super neat. It's a beautiful book. You know, Modifius is a good publisher in my in my eyes. I mean, I really like their products. There's not too much bad I can say about it. But it was super fun to run. And my friends and family really had a good time. I think they did too. Yes. You can get the PDF from Drive Through RPG. It's like 20 bucks. It's definitely worth it. And if you buy the book from Modifius.com or whatever Modifius website is, uh, you get the if you buy the book, they give you a free PDF of it. Cool. There you go. You go get it. Have and fun. Have fun. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.